Welcome to the starting line. I'm Pastor Dan, and I really hope that this can help everyone, especially those who are just starting their walks with God or restarting their walks with God after a long time away. I pray that this podcast could be great for your foundation in the gospel so that you can know what it means to be a Christian and how you can start walking with God. How are we supposed to grow as Christians? That depends on what you think a Christian is supposed to look like. So, what is a Christian supposed to look like? I'm sure we all have preconceived notions, some good, some bad.、Uh, maybe we think of a stereotypical nerdy kid in high school who tells the teacher that she forgot to collect homework. Maybe you think of people with signs who go to college campuses、uh, that tell everyone who God hates. Maybe you think of a choir boy or Ned Flanders. Or maybe you think of people from religious schools who wear the uniform, they look clean, and on Sundays they sing, but they're the biggest party animals ever. Or maybe you think of a monk or a, or a bum or a Republican or Chick fil A or something. And so we're all confused at what it means to be a Christian in this world. That's why it's so hard to figure out how we're supposed to grow. However, thankfully, Jesus gives us a, an example, actually, a series of examples. In the book of Matthew, of what a Christian is supposed to look like. And when we look at the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus himself explains this is what a Christian should look like. This is what a walk with God should look like. So as we study the Sermon on the Mount together, we will understand how to grow as Christians together. So, the best place to start would be just reading the passage. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 1 through 16. And we're not going to go over all of it. I'm only going to go through the first three verses, but I just want to read through all of it so that our hearts are、uh, blessed by the Word of God. And so, let's begin with verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. This passage, which some of you are familiar with, is called the Beatitudes, and it comes from the word meaning happiness or blessedness. And that's why each of these verses start with blessed are. And 
for you to really understand why Jesus is doing this, you have to understand everyone's expectation of the Messiah. Now, we know Jesus is the Messiah, and there were people back then who knew that too, but their expectation of the Messiah was wrong. They expected Jesus to be a Messiah like King David. They expected a national king, a ruler like David and Solomon. They expected prosperity. They expected a physical empire. They expected the crushing of their enemies. They expected wealth and honor to Israel. And so that's why it is surprising that Jesus' idea of blessedness is so different. It's almost upside down compared to the people's expectation. Jesus' idea of blessedness is upside down and the opposite of what the world would consider blessedness. But we have said many times in the gospel, Jesus is not upside down. Jesus is right side up in an upside down world. We are upside down. And so the first thing we see is that Christians are right side up in an upside down world. And what we consider blessedness and how we live our lives does not match the way the world lives their lives. Now, a bit of a side note for those who are interested. Uh, The book of Matthew was originally written to a Jewish audience. And one of the things Matthew is trying to do here is to show that Jesus is a better Moses. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus has a better covenant. And he's doing that by showing similarities, but but also showing the superiority of Jesus. He has a better covenant. He's a better deliverer. And he's a better teacher with a better salvation. And this part is uh, seen in how Matthew is actually split into five parts, five discourses, five teachings, which is parallel to the five books that Moses wrote called the Pentateuch. And in the same way Moses went up the mountain to get the teaching of God, here Jesus is sitting on the mountain to give his own teaching. And that helps us understand the significance of verse 1 and 2. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And now you understand why it's talking about this, why he's up on this mountain to begin teaching. When he sat down, his disciples gathered around him and he opened his mouth. So he's speaking his own words while Moses brought God's words. Jesus speaks his words because Jesus is God. And so Jesus just opens his mouth whenever he wants to speak God's word. So he's infinitely better. And he taught them saying, And that's the end of verse 2. If you have ever wondered, God, what do you want me to do? Or God, tell me how to live. God, how do I grow as a Christian? Well, we see here right now in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us specifically through the Sermon on the Mount. And so the first thing he says now is in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's where we're going to start. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So how do we apply this to our lives? How do we grow as a Christian from this first uh, beatitude? Well, let me give you an example. When I was a college student, uh, many times I would go evangelizing and run into many non-believers. And the moment they heard me say that Jesus was the only way, they would often tell me something like Christians are so arrogant for thinking that. And 
It was very difficult at the time, and I did not know how to respond. But looking at this verse now, I realize that the accusations that he had against Christians is actually wrong. The message of Jesus and the starting place of Christian growth is not, oh, I am so great, I am so spiritually insightful that I have found the one true spiritual truth. That's not the message. The message of Jesus is, I am unbelievably wicked, and God himself had to search for me and die for me to save me. The gospel does not start with, I am right. It starts with, I am wrong. It starts with, I am bad. That's why Jesus starts with this, and that's why our Christian growth and everything starts with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The first characteristic of the people of God, of Christian maturity, is humility, poverty in spirit. Now, we aren't too shocked by this. Uh, we're not too surprised if you have been to church and heard the gospel. This should not be surprising, but for the people back then, this was a phenomenally jarring statement. Because you would expect the children of God Himself to be very rich in spirit. And that's the normal way we think about it. I mean, think about the Pharisees. They felt like they knew everything, they loved talking about religion. And not just because they loved God, but because they wanted to spiritually flex on everyone else. So you would expect the children of God, if in anything, to be rich in spirit. Therefore, it's very jarring and alarming that Jesus would say that the people of God are poor in spirit. And it must have left the entire crowd scratching their heads. But this is where we must start if we want to grow as Christians and grow like Christ. In Mark chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. Now think about that. You have to come to Jesus like a child, like a baby. It's about being helpless and dependent, which is difficult in our world. Our pride wants us wants to make us self-reliant and independent, but Jesus wants the opposite. So Jesus starts by confronting our pride, and that is the start of spiritual growth, by confronting our pride. We never outgrow our need for God. And for the sake of our joy, Jesus wants us to be like children, dependent on Jesus Christ. We need to be, if we want to grow in spiritual, spirituality, we need to be vulnerable, weak, needy, and dependent on God. And so that's the first thing we see about spiritual growth. That it starts not with pride and self-aggrandizing. It starts with gentleness, vulnerability, neediness, and brokenness. It's marked by a growing awareness of our sinfulness and therefore the proportional awareness of his grace. God's grace is our greatness. To give an example in the Bible, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says 
that he is the least of the apostles. Now, first of all, that's crazy because Paul did like so much, but he calls himself least of the apostles. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul calls himself the least of the saints of all the Christians. And finally, in 1 Timothy 1, he says that he is the worst sinner in the world. The worst sinner. Now, the interesting thing is that 1 Corinthians 15 was written somewhere between A.D. 53 through 55. Ephesians was written around uh, A.D. 62. And 1 Timothy is written in like the mid-60s. And so what that shows is that the older Paul gets and the more time he spends with God, the more humble he becomes. Because the more you see God, the more you realize how big he is and how small you are. The closer you get to God, the more you realize how sinful and small you are. When I was first saved, I wanted to do very great things for God through the power of God. I want to do all these things. But now as I grow as a Christian, I realize I need God, not just for the great things, but for the little things. I need God for every moment of my life. And the more I spend time with God, the more I become poor in my own spirit, in my own spirituality. It humbles me because I realize how weak I am and how much I need his grace. And so to wrap things up, this is why Jesus starts with this. This is the first thing that marks a Christian. And this is the first way all of us grow spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit because only the poor in spirit rightly see the greatness of God's goodness the greatness of God's grace. Only those who are poor in spirit grow because they see how much they need God and they run to the God that meets all their needs. So here's the first thing I want you to get for this one. The kingdom of God is marked by sinners who recognize that they are spiritually bankrupt. And they are blessed and happy because Their confidence is not in themselves because when they look in themselves, they only see brokenness. Their confidence is in the God who loves them. And this is the starting place of all spiritual growth because we no longer place it in all these things that can never satisfy. We no longer place it in all these things that can never grow us. We place it in the gospel of God alone. We place it in the love of Jesus alone. This is the starting place of spiritual growth. That was our episode of The Starting Line. We hope you join us next time as we continue to learn how to keep walking with the Lord together. Jesus.